let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come into your presence and that we can come as family. Lord, we thank you for all the dads here with us and we pray a special blessing upon them, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, Lord, that you would give them strength, that you would give them, just guide them by your Holy Spirit as they lead their families, as they lead their homes and their workplaces, Lord, that they would know your presence and your comfort and your love, Lord, above all else as our Heavenly Father. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to talk about the Father's heart. Where are you going? You're sharing your chocolate. So if you want to turn with me to 1 John, um, there is a PowerPoint, I think, Becky. Yep. 1 John 5. One John five verse one says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Be right there. <laughs> Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Tonight I want to talk about the fact that when we accept Jesus as our Saviour and Lord, we are born of God. We're actually born into his family. So no matter what your earthly father is like, whatever your earthly parents is like, when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, you are born of God. You're born into his family and he is your heavenly father. And that, that's such an awesome thing. You are born of God. Say to yourself, I am born of God. I am a new creation. And, and you know, it's, that is awesome. Have a think about that. 1 John 5.1, I am born of God. I am born of God. He's my dad. The moment we joined the family of God and we entered into a spiritual life as a newborn baby. And sometimes we feel like that. We feel like maybe we don't know much. Or we feel like we just go along and then we oh, stumble and hit our knees, you know, bang our knees about. But, you know, as soon as we grab hold of him and say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour, we're born into a new family. And it's a journey and a process. And you learn to step by step walk in your maturity in him and realise who you are and that family that you're born into, that you're born of God, that he is your dad and you have a position in him. And we're his children and joint heirs with him. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And God wants us healed, and he wants us whole, and he wants us to grow in his word and to walk in his perfect will, just as Jesus did. When he looks at us, he goes, You know, we're seated with Jesus. We're heirs of Christ, and we're born of God. So tonight, you're royalty. You know Jesus, you're royalty. He's your heavenly Father. And no matter what life may have dealt you, when you can grab hold of that, you can go anywhere, you can do anything, because he's our dad. And no good thing will he withhold from us, he says. Hosea talks about hearing the voice of God saying, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. 
But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness and with ties of love I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. That's from Isaiah chapter 11. You know, sometimes we can get a picture of our Heavenly Father as somebody who is just out to discipline us. Or if we've had a dad who maybe has not been gracious and kind with us, we find it hard to relate to Father God. And yet, when you look at the Word, His authority over us as our Heavenly Father is not harsh or vindictive at all. But to the contrary, He is unspeakably gentle and long-suffering with us. If you look at it, you know, you see, see Israel, and that's a picture for us of what our Heavenly Father is like. Israel, you know, they're a chosen people just like we are. He, you know, he rescued them, he gave them a new land, he called them out, and yet they kept on going back to worship other things and to get into other things, and, and they turned away from the love of the Father. And he said, you know, I, I taught you how to walk, I held you by your arms. I was gentle with you, and I, and I showed my... You know, I led you with human kindness. I led you and guided you. And, and when we can see God in that manner, you know, he's the one that leads us. He holds on, you know, like little Jacob's just learning to walk. You know, and Stuart would have held his arms, you know, and just helped him to walk. And that, that's how God is with us. It's not he's harsh or vindictive towards us at all. And uh, when we, if we can truly just grab hold of, of who God the Father is, it's going to help us to open up and to know that everything's going to be all right. That he is unspeakably gentle and he is so long-suffering. He's so long-suffering that even when we mess up, he's there to reach out with loving arms and lead us with cords of kindness. You know, our Heavenly Father at this moment has been slandered and misrepresented in the world because of the mess that some dads make. And some men make when they father. You know, you've got a wounded generation or generations that stumble through their years only to visit the same herd again on their own children. Generation after generation it goes on. And God's saying, hey, I want to heal you. And if, if we as his people can grab hold of who he is as our heavenly father, then we're able to pass it on to those young ones around us, those ones that we're able to be a father and a mother to them. You don't have to be old to be able to put into somebody's life. You don't have to, you know, he, says he wants to love on us so that we're able to share that love, but we, he wants us to know the love of the Father so that we're able to love like that. Only God is able to heal and help some of the hurts that people have. Father God is not like human authority. And our problem is too often we shrink away from him as our Father because we assume he'll be like other authorities in our life. But he's not. He is perfect love. You know, it's, it's God that says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up in the loving discipline the Lord himself approves of. You know, that's God. He's saying, hey, dads, don't scold too harshly. Yes, we need to discipline your kids, but don't, don't you know, make them angry and resentful towards you. That's God saying that. Because he wants us to know the love of the Father. And dads, he wants you to know that love so that you can love your kids like that or your grandchildren like that or people that God brings into your life. So I want to talk a couple of, a couple of points about 
God's faithfulness and his gentleness and his generosity tonight. And uh, one of the things is parental faithfulness. You know, every promise of God will be fulfilled. When he says something, he will do it. He is consistently loving and he never changes. You know, it says that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. If he said something back in the, his word, then he will do it. If he did it back there, then he says it and he says it, he'll do it again. He's consistently loving and he never changes. His only desire all through the word you see is to show love and forgiveness and to think up new ways to bless us. God sits up there and he's saying, how can I bless Dan and Joanne today? How can I bless them? You know, he gets a kick out of blessing us. He says he delights in the prosperity of his people. He delights in us. He says he rejoices over us with singing and rejoicing, as I've told you before, is spinning around and yahooing. You know, tonight, God, the Father, is spinning around and yahooing over Dan being able to sit in church with us. Yeah? He, is, he gets a kick over the fact that he's, he's getting healed up and restored. You know, he looks for ways to bless us. He's looking there and going, come on now, what can I do? What can I do? And he wants us to respond with, yes, Lord. But unless we get the picture of what our Father God is like, often we put up walls and won't receive from him. You are God's child and even now he's calling your name. But maybe deep down in your heart you doubt that he is faithful. As a child you may have experienced the complete absence of a father, maybe because of death or divorce, or maybe you feel out neglected by the demands of your parents' career. Or you just had child memories of, being, of broken promises or harsh words that still haunt you. Perhaps you have the inability to sense God's presence with you. Your heart might be hard towards him or you're cynical about whether he really does love you and is he really a loving father. And I know all of us have things in our life and you know our dads do the best and sometimes they mess up and sometimes they don't. But all of us have things where God wants to get in and heal us and he wants to show himself and reveal himself as our father. You know, God says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's Father God's heart for us tonight. You may feel, but if he loved me so much, then why haven't I felt him or seen him? It's hard to feel a hug when you have a wall between somebody and the person trying to hug. You, you know, God's reaching out going, I want to bless you, I want to love upon you, I want to heal you, I want to restore you, I want to show you my goodness. But it's hard to feel that hug when you've got this big brick wall. Allow God in tonight. You know, he pursues us with a love from the first breath we took until the day we die. You know, and I saw that in my dad's life, that God pursued him with an everlasting, earnest love. That even though my dad, he would struggle with his relationship with God, he struggled with whether God was good, he struggled with God as his father, but God never gave up on him. He pursued him with an unending, just consistent love and until the very day he died. And right at the end, my dad said, okay, and received that love and he went to be with the Lord in peace. And you knew when it happened. But he'd struggled to receive that love. And, you know, he'll be saying up there in heaven and glory saying, just don't waste your time. You know, just, just let, it, let it go and let God in. Because your heavenly father was there when you were first conceived. 
when you were first conceived. How do I know that? When I, when I <laughs> conceived Isaac, the next morning, the Lord said, you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, good oh, number six. <laughs> and he said, you are going to have a son and his name is Isaac. And so, you know, but it was like from the very moment God said, and sure enough, along came a little boy named Isaac. But it was like from the moment we are conceived, God knows about us. Our Heavenly Father, he's, you know, he's talk, talking about us. He's talking about Isaac from the moment he was conceived and, telling, conceived and telling me. When we first walked as a child, he was there. When we went through our hurts and disappointments, he was present. We were briefly loaned to our human parents for a few years are supposed to shower us with love, like God's love. But we will always be first and always be a child of God made in his image. First and foremost, we are his. He loans us to our mums and dads, but we're first and foremost, we belong to God, our Heavenly Father. And our loving Father is always there waiting with outstretched arms. You know, few people know God and all his love on earth. But Jesus, he says, I came to reveal the love of the Father. And that's why it's so great to read through the Gospels and you see the life of Jesus and what he did. You know, he'd walk along the road and he'd reach out his hand and heal the blind and he'd heal the leper. You know, it says that the leper came to him and he said, Lord, if you are willing, heal me. And he says, I am willing. Because that's the Father's heart, that he is willing. No good thing with he withhold from us. He is always willing to bless us. He is always willing to love us. He is always willing to give good things to us. It's us that stands behind that brick wall and won't let him hug us. We need to see parts of the religious and commercial mutations of God and see a God of love saying, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The other thing about God is he is a parent who is generous. He's a God the Father who is generous. How many times do we say to our children or we've had said to us, don't touch that, leave that alone, be careful. Our modern lives can be full of expensive and fragile furniture and contraptions and technology that represent a minefield of potential rejection and rebuke for inquisitive toddlers and children. And you might have experienced that or you might even realise you do it. But how many times have you rebuked or been rebuked for touching or breaking something which was seen to be important? You know, we're constantly reminded of the importance of things and their value and how to care for them. And how often do we hear the simple words, I love you. You're more valuable than that thing. A repetitious thought in our world works into our subconscious. Things are more important than me. Things are more important to me than me. And perhaps we need to realise that our concept of God's generosity and his father heart may have been distorted by childhood experiences that things are more important than me. And God's saying, you are more important than anything else. God is generous. He is very generous by nature. You know, creation shows the extravagance and complexity of colour and design that goes far beyond simple functional value. You know, he could have made everything grey or blue. But in it, he made such a variety of things and textures and patterns and designs. You know, all around us is evidence of God just wanting to bless us. Just wanting to bless us. 
to make a beautiful sunset or to make the grass green or the flowers or just how good a lamb roast smells when it's cooking. Sorry, Hannah. <laughs> Something else. This smells good for those who don't eat meat. But you know, vegetarian lasagna, yeah. But it's the evidence of just how much God wants to bless us. So he is generous by nature. That's Father God is generous by nature. And he values us. The greatest demonstration of God the Father's heart seems to come with his attention to detail of our life. You know, he surprises us with those extra things, with those little pleasures and treasures that just come along the way. He just surprises us. He's, he's looking for ways to surprise us with good things that only a father would know that we yearn for. You know, God is not stingy. He's not possessive or materialistic. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed or lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Behold what manner of love, that he is generous, that he is kind, that he's always there for us, that he loves us. You know, we use people to get things, but our Father uses things to bless his people. We use people to get things, but our Father God uses things to bless people. Psalm 37, 3, 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, that scripture, I was reading that this week and I realised that when we, uh, we, planted, we, we planted a church years ago and uh, the Lord gave me the scripture just to trust in him and do good. And dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And we rented a house up in Wembley Downs in the western suburbs, which is an expensive area to live. And we found this house for $300 a week when, you know, before all the rents went sky high. And that verse, I just stood on that for four years. Because in the time that we lived in that house, rents went to six, $700 a week. And here we are sitting in the middle of Wembley Downs, a few minutes from the beach in this, you know, Floriot plush area. And that rent stayed at $300 a week to the very day that we bought our home. And the Lord just said, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on my faithfulness. Father God will look after us. Father God knows that we just got to trust him and do good and dwell in the land that he has given us and feed on his faithfulness. And delight yourself in him and he will give us the desires of our heart. We don't have to worry or stress Father's got it covered. He's got it covered. Pretty cool. Let that sink in. Do you have any idea how awesome and spectacular and good-looking your father thinks you are? He looks at you and just says, you're so awesome. You're spectacular. He doesn't know what you're talking about when you complain about the lumps and bumps when you look in the mirror. Or go, oh, I don't like that about myself. He created us. He made you. He formed you in your mother's womb and he thinks you're exceptionally, spectacularly good-looking. Yeah? One of the biggest hindrances to our walk with him is our sense that our flesh is repulsive to our Father God because of sin. You think about that. One of the biggest hindrances to our walk with him is a sense that our flesh is repulsive to him because of our sin. But it's not. Because he says he washes us clean. And we're not repulsive to him. He loves us. He looks at us and he doesn't turn away and he doesn't shrink back. 
You know, when Isaac is covered with mud from head to toe while he's been playing in puddles in the backyard or at school, I pick him up and I clean him off. I reject the mud, but I don't reject the boy. I pick him up and clean him off, and I love him. And that's the same what God is. Yes, we have sinned. Yes, we have broken God's heart, but we are still the centre of God's affections, the apple of his eye. It is he who pursues us with forgiving heart. You know, we often say, I found the Lord, but really, he found us. You know, he doesn't reject us and our humanness because we've messed up. He just picks us up and washes us clean and gives us a hug. Think about that. You know, little Isaac comes in all muddy and dirty. Am I going to reject him because he's muddy and dirty? No, of course not. We pick him up and we clean him off and we give him a hug and say, hey, come on, come and have a cuddle. And that's how God is. Now, many children, particularly boys, have no physical display of affection from their fathers or no real compassion when they are hurt. You know, we're taught in our culture especially, you know, man up, don't cry, do all those things. And boys don't cry. Maybe you were told that. But Jesus is not like that. His compassion and understanding is immense. And he feels our hurt more deeply than we do because his sensitivity to suffering is so great. Because he suffered. Think about what he suffered when he went to the cross. Think about what he went through for us. So his sensitivity to suffering is immense. And so he says, hey, you can cry. You can weep. You know, he wept. He wept when he was on earth. He wept over his people. He wept over the hurting. You know, and, and he rejoiced when, when, when something good happened. But he wept, it says, to mourn with those who mourn. And so his sensitivity to our suffering is immense. Sometimes we think, oh, God's not interested. He doesn't have the time. He has the time. When Shara was a little girl, she had very bad eczema, and uh, I would treat the sores, which would get infected and bleed, and they were very deep into her skin. And uh, I can still remember holding back the tears because it was hard. She was two. And it was hard to treat her because she was hurting. And uh, you know what? I still remember that as a mum. So imagine what your father God remembers our pain too. You might have forgotten most of it, but our father, he hasn't. He remembers our pain and those moments in our lives and he feels it. He feels our pain and he wants to heal us up. He feels it when we're hurting. He is not absent dad. He feels when we're hurting. He wants to heal us. He wants to help us. And he is willing. You know, Jesus said, I am willing to make you whole. I'm willing to heal you. God was there when you experienced all the hard things in your life as well as all the good. You know, sometimes we don't understand what a fussy, doting father God he is. Your parents may have proudly displayed your bronze baby little feet. I don't know if your parents did that. Or uh, pictures in your album or trophies on the wall. But how does that compare with God's infinite capacity to be overjoyed with every success? every smile, every rejoicing that you had, everything that you were glad about. Think about how much Father God rejoiced at that moment. Think about how, how thrilled he was when you, when you just opened your life up to Jesus. How thrilled he was when you had your first win. Well, how thrilled he was when you, you, know, you, you just had a breakthrough. Think about that. Think about how your mum and dad might be and then think about how much more Father God is like with us. 
You know, it's actually God who heard you speak your very real word. You know, he watched when you spent time alone exploring new things. You know, some of the greatest treasures and memories in God's eyes is when you rejoiced, when you laughed, when you were a little kid. I've heard that. I read last week that the best time for kids is meant to be seven because they are meant to have, you know, no care in the world and they laugh and, and rejoice and, and they haven't, you know, they just haven't got into the peer pressure or anything like that. I don't know if that was true for me, but, but it was like when we have those moments, think how much when, as a parent, what you'll be like as a parent or what your mum and dad was like, how they rejoice, how much more God rejoiced when you were like that. There has never been another person just like you. And God rejoices over your uniqueness. You know, Moses once invoked a blessing on each of the tribes of Israel. And to the tribe of Benjamin, he said, You shall dwell between the shoulders of God. It's in Deuteronomy 33. You shall dwell between the shoulders of God. And God says that's where we dwell. We're up on his shoulders. That we dwell there. And whatever we may become in the eyes of men, even a person of great authority or fame or title will never cease to firstly be God's child that he puts up on his shoulders and we sit there. Firstly, that's who we are to him. Firstly, that's who we are in him. There is one attribute of God that will not even the best parent can hope to imitate and that is God's ability to be with us all the time and to have attentiveness to us. No matter how much you love your kids and we love our kids, no matter how much, you cannot be there 24-7, no matter how much you want to be. But not only is God with you all the time, but he gives us his whole attention. You know, First Peter 5-7 says, Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. He's always attentive to you. God is constantly thinking about how I can bless you, how he can lift your burdens, how I can be there for you. God's got the time. Now, there's this uh, quartz crystal. It has a molecular structure that vibrates at the speed of 9 billion movements per second. It's a quartz crystal, and it like that. Now, if God created that crystal, consider that he can also think that fast. And if he could think that fast, he could think a loving thought towards us about twice every second without straining his ability to relate to the rest of his children. So we might think, oh, I'm I'm one of billions of people in the world, but yet if he can create a quartz crystal to vibrate nine billion movements per second, don't you think that he can think fast? And so he can think about you, and he can think again about you within a second? Because he is God, and he created that crystal. And so we've got to let God outside of our our little thinking, and you know what? If God can create that little rock, that does that, don't you think that he can think about you all the time? That you have his whole attention all the time? I've heard people say, well, I don't want to bother God. I don't want to take up his time. Take up his time. He says, hey, I'm attentive all the time. I want to lift your cares and worries. I want you to talk to me. I want you to come to me. All you who are weighed down and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm thinking about you. I made that little rock to do that. Don't you think I can pay attention to you and your cares and worries? It doesn't matter about all the billions of other people in the world because I've got time for everybody. He's got time. We don't have to get his attention. He's already listening. Don't worry about taking up his time because his time is all yours.
as far as he's concerned, come on, what would you like? What can I do for you? That's what Jesus says to the leper. What can I do for you today? What can I do for you, Father God says. What can I do for you? Give me some of you. I, I want to I, I give you my attention. What can I do for you? Jesus said, I came to reveal the will of the Father. If he said to that leper, what can I do for you today? Then go to God and say, God, this is what you can do for me. Because he is willing. We don't have to try and get his attention. And sometimes if we've had a childhood or we've had places in our life where we felt like we couldn't get our parents' attention, we need to allow God into those places to know that God is interested in the every details of our life. You know, if he knows, the Bible says that he knows every hair upon our head, that he numbers the stars and knows them by name, don't you think that he is interested in every detail of your life? So don't belittle God by saying he hasn't got the time or he's not interested in my little woes, because he is. And the more we understand that, the more open we'll be to God. And the more open we are to God, the more he can get in and then we'll be healed up and be whole and we'll know him as our father. Let God in. God is always looking, always taking delight in the work of our hands. He's our real father and he always will be. So don't hold back from experiencing more of the father God's love because you're holding on to resentment because of the failings of your human parents. They were just kids that grew up and had kids. Your parents were just kids that grew up and had kids. And if they didn't let Father God in to deal with some of the stuff that they experienced with kids, then it just kind of rolls on. Your mum and dad were just kids that grew up and had kids. And as a parent, you've grown up and had kids, let God give you wisdom. And the Hebrew word for wisdom is skill. Let God give you the skills that you need to be the best mum or dad, dad that you can be. You know what? The best place to get the skills is in his word. The best parenting manual you can find is the Bible and spending time reading it because it says that it gives wisdom. It says that it gives revelation. It says that it's everything we need. It says that in him we have everything we need. So when we spend time in his word and we spend time with him, he's going to give us the skills or wisdom to be the best parent we can be. And the Holy Spirit is our counsellor and our guide. And he leads us into all truth. And he also leads us to good resources that help us out. You know, I found one today. It's called the Fathering Project. That's been done here in WA through the University of WA. There's a Christian guy. And I encourage you to look up www.fatheringproject.com and I can send you an email with fathering tips every Monday morning to help you out. And it's not just fathering, it's mothering as well. And also for those that are aunts and uncles or you might be a big brother or sister, any of those things, it just helps us. But firstly and foremost, this thing here is the best manual we can have to be the best parent we can be or the best uncle or aunt or person that can put into somebody's life. But there's also other great resources out there. But God is the one that gives us wisdom or skills and they're found in relationship with him. I'm nearly finished. Have I got you still? <laughs> we live in a performance-oriented society and God wants to know that we are accepted by him. Acceptance is always conditional in the world. If you make the football team, if you bring home a good report card, if you make a good exam result, if you look pretty, if you're buff, 
if you have money, if you win. And too often the kingdom of this world is a kingdom of rejection. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of unconditional love. You know, God's promises are conditional that we must walk in his ways and then we will experience his blessing. But his love is unconditional. Yes, we have to walk in obedience to be able to receive some of the things that we see in his word. But never doubt that his love is unconditional. He loves us and he lavishes his love on us unconditionally. Just how we are. And then he teaches us and he guides us and he gives us the skills and wisdom to walk in his ways and his precepts. But his love, his love is unconditional. It is not a love of rejection. You don't have to, if I read the Bible more, God will love me. If I go to church more, God will love me. If I pray more, God will do this. No, his love is unconditional. It is, his acceptance is always there for us. You don't have to wait to experience the love of God. You can come as you are. You just have to be honest with him about where you're at, about where you mess up. And he delights to forgive us. Even in the depths of our past rebellion, he still loved us. He still loved us even when we rebelled against him. And he just is interested in what our response is. You know, the night Phil asked me to marry him, what if I'd responded? You know, I said... Dale, will you marry me? What if I'd responded to him, yeah, I'll wash your socks, I'll clean your car, I'll type your letters. He might have liked me to do all those things (laughs) for him. But he wasn't wanting me to respond, I'll wash your socks, I'll wash the car, I'll cook your big dinners. He wanted me to respond, babe yourself, by matching his feelings of love for, for him. He wanted to know that I felt the same way about him as he did about me. God isn't waiting for us. He's, poor. He's saying, I love you, Shara. I love you, Stuart. I love you, Ria. He's not waiting for us to say, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll spend my time worshipping. I'll spend my time reading. I'll get out of bed and I'll kneel and I'll do all those things. He's saying, just respond to my love and say, I love you too. But yet we make that God's love this conditional thing if, if we do these things. And we, we look at it and go, well, of course, Ivan and Anna, when they got engaged, and Ivan asked Anna to marry her, oh, you know, I'll love you, but I'll do all these things for you to earn his love. How ridiculous is that? And yet we do it all the time to God the Father. I'll do it. Oh, yes, I'll do this for you, God, to earn your love. You can't earn it. He wants us just to respond of, I love you too. I love you too. What is your response when God says, I love you? When he simply says, be still and know that I am God. Do we rush around in frantic activity to earn his approval? Or do we just be still and know that we are loved? That he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. That we are precious and spectacular and good looking and marvellous in his sight. What do we do when God says to us, I love you? Now, one of the greatest pictures of human peace and contentment is that of a baby who's just been fed by his mother. And the child no longer squirms or wriggles or demands anything, but just rests in the embrace of loving arms. You know, Corrie Ten Boon had a simple advice to offer this generation. She, who experienced so much suffering at the hands of the Nazis, yet went on to great spiritual victory. She once said to some of her friends, don't wrestle, nestle. Don't wrestle, just nestle in his arms. Just nestle in his love and relax. 
Chillax, as Anna says. God already loves you and all through life you may have felt you had to perform and compete, but God delighted in your uniqueness and still does. Yes, he has a plan and purpose. Yes, there are going to be days when God brings you conviction of where you need to deal with stuff. He shows you areas of your life you're not meant to change or commit to him or submit to him. But God is not always demanding changes in us. He knows our limits and he gives us grace and power to do the things he asks of us. But most of the time, he just wants to say, hey, I love you. Just hang out with me. He's not always wanting us to change or you've got to deal with this. And sometimes we can come to God and go, oh, now, what's God going to ask of me now? You know, most of the time, God just wants to say, don't wrestle, just nestle. Hang out with me and spend some time with me. So in conclusion, take it to the Father. If you sense or you can see that you've been hindered in your relationship of knowing God as our Father due to some kind of failure of parental love or some kind of hurt or disappointment or harsh words that you might have experienced, I encourage you tonight and through the days following to open up your heart to the Father about these things and let him in. What can I do for you, he says. I am willing to make you whole. And don't wrestle anymore with me. Just nestle. Nestle in his loving arms. And choose forgiveness towards anyone who has hurt you. Realise that you're not alone. Most people have been disappointed or hurt. And as a parent or as parents, we make mistakes. One of the keys for release is found and forgiving and just letting go and letting God in. And to go forward and know that God, who is really for you, is a perfect parent. And he's there for us. So I encourage you, don't wrestle with God. Don't wrestle with the stuff that may have happened. And, and you know, God wants to hug us. Let the wall down so you, he can reach you. And just nestle in his loving arms. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you love us so much. And all through your word, we can see how much you loved your people. All through the Old Testament, where you constantly loved your people. You were long-suffering even when they messed up so much, when they turned their back on you. And Lord, we see it in the life of Jesus who came to reveal the will of you, the Father. That you heal us, that you want us to see us restored. That you say, what can I do for you? So Lord, I pray for our hearts where they might have been damaged, where they might have been hurt, where they might have been disappointed by our earthly fathers and mothers. Lord, help us to just let those walls down, let that disappointment down, let the mistrust just slip away, Lord, that we might come to trust you and know that you are faithful when we can dwell on your shoulders, Lord, and know that you are for us and not against us. Holy Spirit, I pray that the words I've spoken tonight will bear fruit, that they would sink deep into our hearts and that they would heal us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.